All right, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 9. Just do uh, verses 1 through 5 today. We're going to talk about evangelism. I'd go to hell for you. All right? Now, um, my favorite slide is going to be missing. All right, the, on this slide, on my PowerPoint, see this? Isn't this insane? Isn't that cool? Okay. Uh, th there's this slide that says, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. And usually people go, well, I don't want to turn into a fossil, but I, I want to ask you, is it too late? I have to ask myself, is my faith alive? Is it dead? Does it have a pulse? Is it contagious? Is it something that people go, I, I want what you have? Or have I already kind of become a fossil? So we want to talk about evangelism in Psalm 96, if you're taking notes. 96, verse 1 and 2, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. It says sing a few times. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. I believe at North Shore Christian Fellowship, we're doing a good job of that. I mean, we just had a great time of worship this morning. Years ago, it was prophesied over this body that we would be known for our worship and our song. Evidently, not so much for sermons. But, so sing to the Lord. And so we've done that. We're doing that. But then verse 2 says, proclaim his, the good news, uh, the good news of his salvation from day to day. So it should be something, I'm alive and well. I'm sharing all the time because I'm singing, and then the next verse is proclaim, because as Chuck, Pastor Chuck would always say, Pastor Chuck Smith, who founded all the Calvaries, he'd always say, healthy sheep beget sheep. When I am healthy, when I am having this up-to-date relationship with Christ, I tend to share more with people, and people tend to get saved. So three weeks ago today, I, I started with this question, this is Sunday, this, again, three weeks ago. Sunday, September 19th, 2021. What kind of Christian growth would you like to have in your life by Christmas or within the next three months? And, and meaning some growth is natural, right? I was reading this morning in devotions, uh, Isaiah 61 talks about as the garden promotes growth to the vegetables, so the Lord promotes growth in your life. And so sometimes yeah, I, I, you can be growing and you don't even know, you're just knowing, oh, man, I'm struggling. And then somebody comes along and says, you know what I see in your life? I see growth. You're growing and it's such a blessing. You go, really? So some growth is just, the Lord does it. Uh, other growth, it's on purpose. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, applying all diligence, meaning this is going to be on purpose this is going to happen because of something you're doing. Applying all diligence, add to your faith. This is virtue, things, things like self-control, love, all these things. Now, that's growth on purpose. So, I asked, um, you guys like being spontaneous? Hey, Robin Kyle, can you come on up here right now? Robin. Oh, that was weak. You call that applause? My goodness. It stares over here. Oh, I am so nervous for you right now. Okay, Robin got water baptized last week. Do you remember what you told me? Why, why did you get water baptized? Oh, sound man. He's, okay, it was Tyler. There you go. 
So when pastor asked, this how question. do you want to grow as a Christian by Christmas? The first thing that came to my mind was get baptized. It's been a challenge. It's been something I've been praying about for years that I struggled with. But as soon as he asked that question, I knew it's time for me to get baptized. And I did it. Thank you. That was good. So, of course, now I'm going, well, today is Sunday, October 10th. By the way, it's Sarah Nakamura Brisbane's birthday. And I think it's Bruce. Is it your birthday? Yesterday. Today, we have Pastor Bruce Baumgartner and his wife, Janet, visiting from Calvary Chapel, Lehui. And a happy birthday to both of you guys. Uh, man, you know what? I'll give you one of my candies from uh, this. That's it. Just. All right. But today is uh, Sunday, October 10th. So again, I ask you, how do you want to grow? How, is there something that you go, you know what? I'd really like to, and for this morning, I'd like to grow in compassion. I'd like to grow in boldness and, and sharing my faith. So we're going to begin and end this day with this question. Uh, when you get to heaven, supposing you go, that's the goal, right? When you get to heaven, how many people do you want to come up to you and say, thank you. Thanks for being salt. Thanks for being light. Thanks for loving me enough to tell me I was in sin. Thanks for being an example. Thanks for being an ambassador. Thanks for leading the way. Do you want anybody to come up to you and say that? Because I think it's kind of addicting. When you've been used to, to share with someone and they actually pray and surrender their life to Jesus Christ, to me, I go, I want more of this. I want to hear this more. I, I want people to come up to me and have a, hey, I don't know, call it selfish, call it a Christian desire. I want people to come up and say, thank you for leading me to Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said this, Matthew 12, verse 30. It's kind of convicting. You're either gathering with me or scattering against me. And you go, wait, 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 wait. I'm not exactly gathering. You know, it's actually act actively gathering or actively scattering. You go, well, I'm, it's not like I'm gathering, but I'm not scattering. I don't see a third possibility. According to Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul, he goes, you're either gathering with me, you're being salt and light and you're making a difference, or by not being salt and having no light, you're actively scattering against me. So I want to be gathering with him. So today, our outline is three C's. We're going to talk about compassion, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. We're going to talk about commitment to the lost, verse 4. And then Christ is overall, verse 5. That's what we're... That's where we're going with this. That's who we're talking about, it's Christ. So I'm reading from the New King James Bible. This is Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Paul the Apostle speaking, I'm telling you the truth in Christ. Can you imagine? Guys, I'm not lying. I, I, my conscience also bearing me witness to, in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed from Christ. I wish I'd go to hell for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. And, and that's as far as we'll go right now. He's saying, I, this guy hurts for his fellow Jewish people. Have you ever seen someone who loves someone so much 
they physically hurt for them. And they're saying, hey, before God, as much as I know, I'd rather, I'd go to hell for that person. That's what Paul is saying here. Now, compassion has been sent, summarized like this. People don't know how much you care. Or they, I'm sorry, they don't care how much you know, but they'll know how much you care. So if I go into a, a I'm trying to share with somebody and I'm just quoting scriptures and talking about the Greek and this and that and trying to impress someone, they don't care. But if I hurt for the, someone who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't know the Prince of Peace, who doesn't know what it's like to have their sins forgiven. I, you know, look, we had two kids. One was an angel, Vanessa. The other, the other kind of angel, growing up, he caused so much grief. He's in prison now. Now he loves Jesus. But I'm telling you, my wife loved my son to the point it was scary. I just, I just had to get out of the way. This woman loves her son. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. So maybe you're here and you have a teen who's gone astray or you have an adult kid or you have a little kid that just says, just tearing it apart. You know what Paul's going through. You know how it is to just like, oh, I, I would trade places with them. So let's connect this part of chapter 9 with the end of chapter 8. He ends chapter 8, remember that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And he talks about, you know, this created thing, that created thing, no height nor depth, it's just nothing. And now he goes, but uh, if there was such a thing as separation, I would gladly do it. And he says, before God, I'm telling you the truth. Now, I think I must be really shallow. I have never been guilty of saying, I'd go to hell for you, because I'm sorry, it's nothing personal personal, I'm not going to do it. I, I don't like getting a sunburn, let alone getting tossed into the lake of fire forever. And here Paul's going, I would do that. That's how much I hurt for these people. It's not the first time we've heard of somebody with this kind of compassion. Remember Moses? Moses chapter in, in uh, Exodus chapter 32. Remember he's up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments getting all kinds of instructions from the Lord. And he's up there, and all of a sudden the Lord goes, go back down, that whole nation's backsliding. What are you talking about? Yeah, go now. And so Moses goes down, and of course they've made that, you know, the golden image of a calf, thinking, oh, this is God, and they're dancing, meaning they're just, it's crazy. All right? And Moses says, Lord, these people have committed a great sin. And they have made for themselves a God of gold. But, yet now, if you will forgive, if you'll forgive their sin, uh, great. But, but if not, look at this. Blot me out of your book of life. That's, a, that's the same heart as Paul the Apostle. He goes, look, they're blown it. I can't believe what they've done. But could you forgive them? And if not... Don't forgive me. It's the same kind of compassion Jesus Christ had. When Jesus was in Mark chapter 6, now to set the scenario, there's been a death in the family. John the Baptist, his cousin, if you will. John the Baptist had, oh, there we are. There we are. Thank you for the, <laughs> thank you for the ministry. God bless you guys. Uh, maybe I'll take that back. No, no, no. 
Now, we're missing Jonah this morning, so uh, it's so weird. Before church, this was working perfectly. That's to be expected. Anyway, so there's a death in the family. John the Baptist has his head removed for telling someone they're in sexual sin. People don't like hearing that. And yet in Isaiah, God says, tell my people their sin. Tell them, wake them up. They're on the road to hell. And so here, John, hey, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. <laughs> so it is this wrongful death, a violent death. This is wrong. And, and so Jesus says to, to his boys, to his apostles, let's get out of here. Let's, let's go on a vacation. Let's go rest. You ever kind of hope the vacation really does something? You know, you save up, you invest, you make your plans, and you go, <laughs> I'm going to get away. I'm no cell phone, no computer. I'm just going fishing. I'm just going surfing. I'm just getting away. But it says that the rest of the people saw that Jesus was heading, heading over there in the no man's land, and they run around ahead of him. He gets there. There are thousands of people waiting for him. Hey, it's Jesus. And he goes, uh, if it was me, turn the boat around. We're out of here. God knows I need a break, right? But Jesus, this is how he was different. He saw a great multitude, thousands of people, and was, look, mo moved with compassion for them. They're like sheep having a shepherd, not having a shepherd. They're kind of aimless. They're wandering. There's no point in life. And instead of going, what a headache. I can't believe how insensitive you are. This is my time. He goes, man, I was moved with a compassion, and his compassion caused him to do something. So the compassion of Christ, we read about it in Luke, chapter 13, where, where Jesus said he's crying over the city of Jerusalem. He literally goes, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Remember, when you repeat a name, it's this term of endearment. Oh, I love you, Jerusalem. I hurt for you. And then he gets this wonderful picture. How, how often I've wanted to gather you as children, the, the way a mother hen gathers her kid. What, what a beautiful picture of love. And hey, come on, come on. He's not saying, get out of here. You disgust me. You're so annoying. He goes, no, no, no. Come close. I absolutely love you. Come. But then he says, you know what? You weren't willing. And I just wonder how, you know, come on. In a church like this, is there someone here that God is just trying to woo you in, trying to love on you, trying to draw you closer to Christ. Truth be told, you're just not willing. You're just not there, but God is there, and he's there in compassion. Now, the problem is, do I have compassion? Verses 1 through 3 is all about compassion. Sometimes I think I relate more to King David. Do you know how he prayed in the Psalms? Do I need to remind you? Psalm 58, verse 6. Break their teeth in their mouth. <laughs> you ever do that? You know, I, I prayed scripturally. <laughs> no. oh. Lord, they hurt me. They said mean things. They blasted me on social media. Just break their teeth. Give it one. Let them feel it. How about this one? Psalm 69, verse 28. Lord, let them be blotted out of your book of life. It's the exact opposite. Moses said, blot me out. Paul says, blot me out. This guy, in fury, just goes, just blot them out. I don't want to go to heaven if they're going to be there. Blot them out of your book of life. Here's the deal. 
when it comes to having compassion in these days. In Luke, I'm sorry, in Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus said this concerning the end times. If you're familiar with Matthew 24, it's all about this is what it's going to be like in the end times. And he said, because sin increases, the love of many will grow cold. All my life, up until just recently, I thought that was just declaring, you know, for the non-believers, those who don't know Jesus. You know, this verse, it hits me. Because when I see sin increasing, my love is growing cold. Examine your heart. Is your love growing cold or is it hotter than ever for the lost? Or do you have this thing, you know what? I'm fed up with it. Right, right now in society, we are definitely in the end times. There, there's no question about it anymore. The things that we studied for decades, all of a sudden, what? <laughs> you know, we talked about the, the sign that the mark of the beast would be on your forehead or your hand, and gee, I wonder how that's going to be. Well, now we have the technology. Now, the vaccination has nothing to do with that, okay? Those who say it is, that's, that's silly. But it's a precursor. In the last two years, the whole world is bowing in fear to a virus you can't even see. You just see it manifested. And so we have fury on one hand, and we have fear on the other extreme. The fury is, I'm so mad at our governor, I'm so mad at our president. Do you have compassion for that? The fear is, I'm so afraid of getting infected. I, I, I'm struggling with this. Maybe you are too, because as a Christian, I love Jesus. I can't wait to go to heaven. But then, why is there a fear of death? That's like an oxymoron. I can't wait to go to heaven. I just don't want to die. Uh, to clarify, I don't want to suffer, okay? I'm not looking forward to that. But we have this thing going on in our society. It can drive you crazy. You find yourself yelling at your TV. Do you live with anyone who does that? <laughs> there goes my lunch, so. It's <laughs> just like, what are we doing? Jesus said in these last times, we had no idea. He's describing a virus. He's referring to a world that Right now, it's us versus them. You know, you can't go in this restaurant unless you're vaccinated. You can't do this. And it's just, and then they're blaming each other. In the last days, sin, hey, why don't we just call it unchristlikeness? People will respond in a way that doesn't glorify Christ, doesn't represent Christ, because that increases the love of many. How about this? The love of many believers will grow cold. Are you one of them? We have to watch ourselves. So when it comes to this, this compassion, we go, well, yeah, but that person deserves help. I, I don't want them to go to heaven. Look at what they're doing. How about, how about this one? In Matthew 20, 12, Jesus said, learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. See, there are people that, okay, in the Jews, they were brought up, eh, if, if you do this, you sacrifice a bull. You do this, it's a turtle dove. You do this, it's a lamb. And God's saying, I am not bloodthirsty. I'm not getting off on that. Why don't you have some mercy? Why don't you show some mercy? So in Isaiah 58, you're saying, God's saying, you think you're all, you're, you're designing your own fasts, 
And because you, you uh, did not, did denied yourself of this, you think, I'm all stoked and doing a dance up here. He goes, you know what kind of fast I want? Why don't you meet the needs of people? Why don't you reach out in mercy and compassion? That's what it's all about. Part one is the compassion. Part two is commitment to these people. So Paul says in verse four, well, he says, look, I, I wish I could myself die in verse three. Verse four, he says, these are my, the Israelites to whom pertain the adoption. He lists six things. The glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises. So here's six things he lists. It's interesting. Here's, he's got such a commitment to the Jews. And remember, the Jews were his biggest enemies. He is full on loving his enemies when he says this. So when he goes to the adoption, we know that as Christians, we've been adopted into the body of Christ. But he's referring Jews in the Old Testament. God comes along and says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Wow. That's revolutionary. Why would you want me? And, and so they're, they're wondering, why would he choose me? And, and he goes, look, I didn't adopt you because you were so high and mighty. I didn't adopt you because you were so attractive. I adopted you out of pity. I adopted you out of love. Can you imagine a husband saying that to his wife today? Babe, I didn't marry you for your good looks. Good luck with that. I didn't marry you for your wonderful personality. Certainly not your cooking. Are you trying to poison me? Just, I just married, I had pity on you. I'd be insulted. I'm glad someone had pity on me. The whole emphasis is, it's not because you had some redeeming quality in you. I just loved you. That's what God's saying. So you're going, wow, I wonder why I'm saying, I wonder why he... He said, I just love you, period. So that's the adoption. Then comes the Shekinah glory. For the Jews, when they got out of Egypt with Moses for 40 years, that's a long time. Many of you are not even that old yet. You want to know about the Shekinah glory? You want to know about the manifested presence of God? Look up. You see that cloud every day that protects us from the, the hot sun? That's the Shekinah glory of God. That is God's manifested presence. You want to know if he's committed to you? Look up at night. Look up. You see that pillar of fire? It's protecting you from the snakes and the spiders. That every time, if you doubt that God's for you, look up. The Shekinah glory, that God is so good. He's so committed to you. And so in the New Testament, you go, I want that. You have it. His word. Say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm committed to you. Blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. When Solomon was dedicating his temple, whoo, it says that the Shekinah glory of God, the manifested presence of God was so thick, no one could stand. The priests who were trying to minister, they had to sit down. Now, do you ever notice that when we worship around here, we just tend to stand up. How cool would it be where it's so thick with the presence of God, we all just sit, <laughs> I can't stand. Now let's not fake that, but that's what they did. They just had such an awareness of the presence of God. They couldn't stand in his presence. From there he went on to the covenants. It started with Abraham. Can you imagine God? Now, God doesn't have to do this. But he said, you know what, Abraham? 
When I'm looking to bless someone, I'm going to bless you. What? Why? I'm an old guy. I don't even have kids. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I, I'm, why? Why? God, you're God. You don't have to make promises or a covenant to anybody. No, I, I'm singling you out. I covenant you the land of Israel. And to this day, in God's eyes, Israel belongs to Israel. Then it was to Moses. I covenant with you the people of the land. Then it was to King David. I covenant to you the Messiah is going to come from you. What? Wait, wait, wait. God, I was going to build you a house. Cute. I'm building you a house, and it will endure forever. These are the covenants. God didn't have to do that. Here's what, what Paul's saying. All this came to us through the Jews. All right? Then he goes on to the giving of the law. Starts with Ten Commandments. Church, how many commandments were there total? 613. Some of you, you get another candy from my thing. I found a way to quiet a crowd like that. We were in, in our Ohana group recently. We were doing uh, Hebrews chapter 9. It talks about the three things that were in the Ark of the Covenant with Moses. And one was Aaron's rod, Exodus 17. One was some manna. And one was the Ten Commandments. So out of curiosity, I go, hey, so who here can can uh, tell me the Ten Commandments. Whoo, crickets. Catholics can tell you. Catholics can tell you. Turn to, with me to Exodus chapter 20, please. If you ever want to know, it's there. In Exodus chapter 20, it's the second book, the Old Testament, right after Genesis. I can do this in the Catholic way. I'm the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. That's Exodus 20, uh, verses 1 and 2. The second one is in verse 4. Shall not make for yourself a carved image. He doesn't want us to be in church and see all these carved things around that we're supposed to pay homage to. Then he goes uh, in verse 7. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Every time someone does, they're going to give an account for it. Oh, you ever go to a movie and they're constantly blaspheming God's name? I'm going... You're getting paid? That's a prostitution. You're getting paid to blaspheme God's name. Then in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the first four of the Ten Commandments were between me and God, between you and God. Then it shifts. Uh, so in verse 12, honor your father and your mother that you may have a long life. So now the second six grouping is to my fellow man. Verse 13, don't murder. No adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, and don't covet. Don't covet anything. Catholics break that up into two. Don't covet and don't covet your neighbor's wife, but no, it's just one. So now you know God was just getting started. That's just the first 10. Eventually there's 613. The Jews made the mistake thinking, all right, these are the steps. If I keep these, I'll be good enough to go to heaven. Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount, no, they're given to you so you see you cannot keep them. They're, they're of the heart. You think just because you didn't jump into bed with someone, you never committed adultery. You ever lust? Boom, you're guilty of hellfire. It goes to the heart. That's why the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus. Hey, what do I, what one thing do I have to do to get into heaven? Keep the commandments. Which ones? And he's 
rattles off something. Goes, I've kept all these since my youth. In his mind, he, he had. But he's thinking, I'm lacking something. Somebody here this morning is going through that same thing. I, I wish there were one thing that I could do to get into heaven. Is it give a lot of money? Is it sacrifice my body? Is it just serve? And it's, no, it's surrender to Jesus Christ. What one thing to I lack? So the Jews, even though they had all these commandments, they thought that's how you get to heaven rather than realizing that's to prove you can't on your own. Then he goes into the service of God. The Jews had this. Why is that such a big issue? Because all around them were nations serving false gods, serving idols. Have you ever seen this? It's sad. Yeah, they weren't serving Molech, you know, sacrificing kids up, called abortion today. They weren't serving Baal. They, they weren't serving Astra or any of these things. But around them, that was all going on. In, in India one time, years ago, I was in some, I have no idea where I was. They, they put me in some hotel, if you want to call it that. It was a dive. It's the kind, I hit the pillow. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> this was before masks were around. So, at five in the morning, I hear this clang, 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 bum, drums going off. I go, what's going on? I go outside, I go down the street. They're trying to wake up their God, literally. Wake up, did you have a good sleep? Come on, time to get on with the day. Like, it's sad. You think you're serving God? That's so futile. That's so empty. It's so sad. He said to the Jews, they get to serve the living God. They have a life that made a difference. And then he finally says the promises of God. Look at this. When it comes to the promises of God, this is new to me. It's about 31,173 verses in the Bible. No, I didn't count them. Okay? Of that 31,000, it's estimated 7,487 are promises God makes to us. It's a lot of promises. God didn't have to do that. That's Paul's point. It all came to us through the Jews if they just realized their history and how God had his fingerprints all over their past. And so here, the God who cannot lie makes promises he cannot break. Lots of them. So here's his commitment to the Jews. This should give us hope. Why? Why would God's favor in the Jew give me hope? Because in his ministry, Paul was confronted by the Jews constantly. Constantly. Here's his most bitter enemies, and yet he's, he said, I'll go to hell for them. The most bitter enemies he can have. And he said, I'll, I'll go to hell for them. Now, Paul could have quoted other things. Instead of, look at what God did, the covenant. Blah, blah, blah. Could have quoted Psalm 78. It's the history of the Jews. It's God's faithfulness and your unfaithfulness. God's faithfulness, your un it's, chapter, sorry, it's pages of unfaithfulness on their part, faithfulness of God's part. Or how about in, in Acts chapter 7? Remember Stephen? He's about to get stoned with rocks. And Stephen goes, you, you rebellious, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised of heart. You always are, are against God. You're just like you're dead. And he got killed. Paul could have gone that route, but instead, do you notice everything he said was positive? He's loving his enemies. That's what Jesus said to do. 
He's loving on his enemies. So here's the hope. While we're yet his enemies, Christ died for us. So from there, we're going into crisis overall. This is who we are talking about when we share with others, okay? So we're back in Romans 9, one verse. Of whom are the fathers and from whom, here's like the granddaddy of them all. Do you believe they gave us the Messiah? According to the flesh, Christ came. Now notice the wording here. Christ came who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Now, this, if you study at all, it says, now maybe your translation is a little bit different punctuation. This is the correct punctuation because other punctuations tend to diminish the deity of Christ, the authority of Christ. They say this is one of Paul's best statements testifying that Jesus is God, the deity of Christ. Now, here's how you prove Jesus is God. Maybe you've been sharing with Jehovah Witnesses. I hope you have. Or with Mormons, and you understand we're not talking about the same Jesus. My Jesus is God. And so you go, well, you know, Jesus in John chapter uh, 10 said, I and my Father are one. Now, what did the Jews do? They picked up rocks to stone him. He goes, okay, I've done a lot of really good things. Which one are you going to kill me for? And they said, not a good work. It's not undeniable. You're doing good works. But you, being a man, are constantly making yourself out to be equal with God. That's blasphemy. In Jesus' case, it's true. They knew he was claiming to be God. Here's another one. Jesus forgave sins. Remember when they're letting down the, the paralytic from the roof? And Jesus goes, hey, your sins are forgiven. Everybody goes, who can forgive sins except God alone? That's the point. He also accepted worship. Often, like he calmed the water, gets on the boat, they all worship him. Remember when John tried to worship the angel in the book of Revelation? The angel said, get up, get up, worship God. That's what you do when you're worshiping Christ. And how about this one? This is my go-to verse for Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. In Isaiah 9, 6, which is clearly prophesying about Jesus. You've heard of it in Handel's Messiah. For unto us, okay. It's called, Jesus is called Everlasting Father. When I've shared with Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, I've only had one guy say, yeah, I know about that verse. And he walked away. He was troubled by it. So, let's begin and end. Remember? You didn't see this. The PowerPoint wasn't working. But here's the question. When you go to heaven, how many people do you want to come up to you and say, thank you? Thanks for being light, for being truth, for being salt, for caring enough to tell me the truth. Okay, so here's the question. We're talking about evangelism. I'd go to hell for you. How do I get started? How about 1 Peter 3, 15? And I've got it up here for you. Sanctify, which means set apart. Both our youth group, senior high and junior high are called set apart. Set apart the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to, to everyone, to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Do you understand it? So, so first off, I got to, I, I, okay, have I set apart Christ as Lord in my heart? Or am I really a Sunday morning Christian? And maybe not even consistent at that. When I gave my life to Christ, did I add him to the, my life 
or did I surrender to him? See the difference? Making him Lord, Lord, I surrender. Remember the song, I surrender all. Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering. Do I, have I made him Lord in my heart? And then, am I always ready? Because it's always be ready. Do I anticipate people asking me, what is it about you? What, what gives? I told this story months ago when Tyler Unger, our sound guy this morning, was, uh, uh, what were you? What would we call you? Six months, I, I'm sorry, just... An intern, thank you, very hard work. And he was an intern. And, and as an in, he comes to the, the office that day, he's just ready, he's prayed up and studied up and ready for a staff meeting and ready to get ready for the junior high, the senior high, whatever. He wasn't ready for a rat. And if you remember, someone had donated, which you're not supposed to do, stuff and they just laid it in the back and I'm, I'm sick of this. I go, okay, I'm moving it. And I go to move this bag and out of it comes a rat. Went right up my arm, jumps, and he starts heading up to our Sunday school and I go, not on my watch. I took off my slipper and I took off. Now, if you know, the stairs go up like this, it makes a turn and up like that. And I was, I was, it was ugly. It's a whole nother side of me you don't know about. That rat was freaking out, <laughs> telling his friends, that guy was crazy. Do you have a bazooka? No, he had a slipper. And he wasn't afraid to use it, you know. And so I'm chasing him and going up and stumbling and fumbling. And, and then the rat makes a U-turn. And he goes back down the stairs and heads literally, am I not right, straight at Tyler. And I said, Tyler, get the rat. And he goes, <laughs> we got him. Between Danny Angel and I, we, we put him in rat purgatory. Later, Tyler told me he grew up with the understanding his parents drilled him, rats are dirty, stay away. So I get that. But that's what we're doing, right? We're trying to reach unclean. We're trying, and the thing is, I think we miss opportunities all the time because we're not ready. You go, well, where do I start? You start by being ready. You start by surrendering to Christ and saying, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to anticipate today that I get to share you with some, someone else. How about this? People are going to ask you, what's up with the hope? Especially... COVID-19 times, especially, it's like God has set the table for us to share with people. God, as long as we're people of faith and hope and love and joy, people come up, they go, hey, that's what it says. They come up and ask you, what's the deal? Unless you're run by fear. Unless you're, you're governed by a lack of belief. But if it's like, Hey, I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. Do you have the joy of the Lord? Do you have faith? Are you ready to share? Because people are going to come up and go, what's so different about you? It's Jesus Christ. And let me tell you about him. So then you go, share your story. If you have one. I find it's easy to talk about the ones I love. When I was engaged to Karen, and someone would ask me about a relationship, I go, oh, let me tell you about my 
my betrothed. 45 years later, I'll still talk about my loved one. It's easy to talk about the ones you love. And so you tell them your story. Hey, and, and don't take nine hours. How about this? Remember the 15-second testimony? Now, some of us will hear more about this tonight and Thursday night. Some of you already heard about it. It's a way to start a conversation. You know that, uh, hey, there was a time in my life when I was a rebellious hippie surfer who ended up in jail. I heard about Jesus Christ. I asked him into my heart. He forgave me. And now I have a life of purpose and meaning. Do you have a life like that? 15 seconds, all of a sudden, you've turned it around. Let me tell you a real short story. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I were in Manhattan. We're in Times Square. And it had been arranged that I, I had made cutting boards for this girl I went to the prom with. And her name was Kathy Lee Gifford. And her buddy, Hoda. Now, we thought we're just dropping these things off. You know, we're going, and then we get there. Hey, where do we? Oh, you're here. Come. They're already filming. Oh, okay. So we go behind the cameras, and guy comes up to me. Hey, are you comfortable being on camera? I go, yeah. <laughs> Keep the fans away. It's very... And then he goes, hey, are you comfortable with the microphone? Yes, of course. He hands me a microphone. And I see Kathy and Hoda up there talking. And I turn to my wife, and I go, you know what's going to happen. There's two cameras in front of us. They're going to turn these cameras around and ask us a question. Should I share my 15-second testimony? So within seconds, you hear Hoda, oh, Kathy, I heard your senior prom date is here. Mike Stengel. Hey, Mike, what was it like going to senior prom? Hoda, there was a time in my life when I was a rebellious hippie servant. When I heard about you, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I made some corny joke. It lasted seconds. It's over. Had I done it, we would have gone viral. Millions would have checked. You know what to get? Here's the, my point. You have windows like that. They come and they're gone forever. It's a window of opportunity. Take it. Always be ready. So sure, you can start a 15-second testimony, but the thing is, get the other person involved. You can ask questions like, yeah, my favorite is, hey, you go to church? I don't care. Not a weird question. Somebody was delivering something to the church uh, this past week. Guy, one of the del delivery guys has a cross on. Open door. Hey, you got a cross. Are you a, Christian? Are you a Catholic? Yeah. I start sharing my testimony. Hey, I grew up, you know, knew a lot about Jesus, didn't know him. You've heard that. But it was just a, and you know, I didn't say, get on your knees and ask him into your life right now. It, it wasn't that. It was the seed planting. That's all. But you want to be ready. Ask questions like, uh, you go to church? You go to heaven? Want to go to heaven? How about this? In Acts 16, I just heard Pastor Bill Stonebreaker share on this. We're almost done, folks. Pastor Bill was sharing on Acts 16, and I loved how he did this. Because in Acts 16, Paul the Apostle goes to this river where they're having a small prayer meeting, and he starts sharing, and this girl named Lydia, it says the Lord opened her heart. She gets saved. Very respectable girl, blah, blah, blah. Well, later on, Paul and Silas both get arrested and they're thrown into prison. They're put in locks and stocks and, you know, all those things. And at, at midnight, they start praising the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And there's a big earthquake. Now, the jailer, the Philippian jailer, thinks, oh, my, 
They escaped. I'm dead. So he comes running in with a sword. He's about to kill himself. And Paul says, don't, don't, don't. We're all here. And that guy goes, what do I have to do to get saved? He gets saved. Now, a year later, you're listening to their testimonies. Lydia's testimony. Well, I don't know. I was, <laughs> went to a prayer meeting and ended up getting saved. Oh, neat. Philippians jailer's testimony. There I was with this sword pointed at my heart, ready to kill myself. It's just making it so dramatic. And then he goes, and then he spoke up. And the thing is, we're probably in between those two. I don't think anybody had a sword. Maybe not got saved at a prayer meeting. But just share what Jesus means to you. You don't have to embellish it. One guy said, well, I just have a vanilla testimony. I love vanilla testimonies. As my kids were growing up, I love to come, come share with my kids. Now, I want to bring up John Lattice. John, come on up. He's going to share. He shared something last week at the uh, prayer meeting about sharing. And he said, I can do this in one minute. So you're on. <laughs> Hi. I'm John Lattice. Uh, my wife and I moved here from uh, St. Augustine about four months ago, and you've all been very welcoming, so thank you very much. I like to say um, to strangers, would you like to talk about Jesus or heaven? And sometimes they say yes. And I immediately go into this. The Bible says that uh, heaven is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. Man is a sinner. He can't save himself. God is merciful and doesn't want to punish us, but God is also just and must punish our sin. Christ is both God and man. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay the penalty for our sins and purchase a place for us in heaven. Saving faith is not just temporary faith. Saving faith is trusting Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. Would you like to trust Jesus Christ for your eternal life? And last Monday, the woman said yes. <laughs> and uh, we prayed together, and we've been texting all week. Nice. No. <laughs> He's got seven more. <laughs> what I like about him, to give you a background, he's there at Mililani Theaters before they're opening up, waiting, and sees this girl walk by, go to, goes to Starbucks, gets a coffee, comes back, and they go, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? Okay. And he leads her to the Lord. That's bold. That's that window of opportunity. That might not be you, but something is. You got light. It's like, man, if you had the cure for cancer, wouldn't you go to the hospital and walk through the cancer ward? You have the cure for sin in Jesus Christ. Now, what needs to be included? Real quick, you're created in God's image. You did not evolve. Sin entered the picture. Jesus entered the picture, and then it says, Jesus said, Behold, I sin at the door and knock. 
You hear my voice? Open the door. I will come in. That's his commitment. I want to close now asking, hey, who here wants more compassion, more boldness? I mean, kind of silly not to, right? Or who here needs to really trust the Lord? No, 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 no. Okay, I'll give him Saturday morning or Sunday morning. No, a, a surrender. He's the way. He's the way. Uh, right after that, we're having communion. If the band wants to come up at this time, even if you don't. <laughs> Lord, this is... What an opportunity. People who were running from you were enemies. You save. You turn us around. You use us. Father, we're not here to discuss our biggest beef with the, a government or people we don't agree with. We're here for a fresh surrender to you and so thankful we get to do this. If there's anyone here who doesn't know the Lord, now's the time. And it's simply, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. You can pray that. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen.